Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think this is a film that most people can enjoy. Um, It's something I'd recommend if I wanted someone to uh, reflect on themselves and the wider world without that being too uncomfortable and and challenging a journey. And this is the film she recommended I should watch (laughs) when we're doing this podcast together. Everybody, welcome to episode 81 of Flix Watcher Podcast. In the studio today, we have Alex. Wow. Ollie. Hi. And as always, Kobe. Back to the gym. <laughs> Back to the James. And we'll be reviewing <laughs> the fundamentals of caring. Guys, if you want to get in touch, join us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Come and visit us on our website, FlixWatcher.tv, and go to iTunes. Subscribe to us, review, and share with your friends because sharing is caring. As always, films reviewed in this podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. There may be bad language and there may be spoilers. You have been warned. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. In our studio today, we have Alex and Ollie. If you'd like to tell our lovely listeners about the podcast that you do together, please. Uh, it is called The Mon Man, M-A-N-N. It is a pun on my name. My name is Ollie Mann. That's the joke that we did there, and I'm stuck with it now. It doesn't really work on smart speakers, but there you go. Fuck myself. And it's a magazine show <laughs> which comes out uh, 30 weeks of the year, and we talk about sex trends and amazing life stories. And Alex here is the lady with whom I discuss matters sexual. Uh, Yeah, I uh, have the end section of the Modern Man show, which is called The Foxhole, uh, where we open up and delve into matters of relationships, sexual experiences, sexual identities, everything from people who suffer from vaginismus, which is a condition where the muscles of the vagina clamp up so much that you can't put anything in there, whether it's a penis or a potato. (laughs) If you want, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to insert a spud up your foof, but hey, if you wanted to, that would be difficult to do. So that's one thing that we talk about. I've chosen the most obscure topic. It's a a very long Um, example. There's a two coming next. You said everything from vaginismus and then there was a long, and then two what? uh, The A to Z of BDSM, uh, all sorts of fetishes from from the feet to... There's a lot of like, I want to do this thing, how do I tell my partner? We do a lot of that. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of, uh, I can't do this thing, how do I do this? Yes. And I don't know what this thing is, or I've had this thing all my life, should it be a thing? I mean, the most common question that we get in the mailbag is, um, I'm into this thing, is it normal? And we never do that question because... A, yes, because it's the most common question we get. Mm. <laughs> and B, who cares? Like, who cares if the thing that you're into in your head, especially if you're not actually hurting anyone and doing it, is normal or not? As long as it's consensual. Exactly. exactly. I mean, what yeah. is normal? Exactly. 
I often say that my job uh, title is a little bit like a werewolf's t-shirt in that there are a lot of slashes in it. So I'm a sex educator slash broadcaster slash writer. Uh, I'm very proud to be an ambassador for a young people's sexual wellbeing charity called Brooke. Uh, I also work for Radio One uh, doing a comedy show about sex called Unexpected Fluids. Um, And at the moment, I'm making a little documentary for BBC Five all about modern HIV treatment. Oh, fantastic. So if it dangles and wangles, it's my business. Because one of the the first choice you wanted was uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I did to talk yes. to talk about that, but we it has been it's chosen already. Been chosen. So yeah, sorry. listeners, you can um, listen to the episodes. Uh, just scroll back. Um, Alas, but, no Dallas for me. This episode is the fundamentals of caring, and you chose this, Alex. Can you give us a two minute synopsis and tell us why you chose it? Absolutely. So The Fundamentals of Caring is a really touching comedy about a writer named Ben, who's played by Paul Rudd, uh, who uh, becomes a caregiver for an 18-year-old guy called Trevor, who uh, has a disability. Uh, Trevor's played by Craig Roberts, who's a really fantastically talented actor, but he is able-bodied, so we'll talk about that because that's a contentious issue. Um, His character has uh, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is a degenerative condition that there's no cure for. Uh, I've actually made a contribution to Action Duchenne who are a charity that support people living with that condition uh, in the name of Flix Watcher. So thanks for making that possible, guys. No um, in addition to having a disability, Trevor is a whole human being uh, who has a very sarcastic, deadpan sense of humour. It's, um, it's drier than frankly my fanny in a room with Woody Allen <laughs> so he's very very funny and the whole film to me is is extremely comical uh, it tells the tale of uh, Ben and uh, Trevor embarking on this impromptu road trip to a variety of really obscure tourist destinations stuff like uh, they go and see the world's biggest bovine and uh, they set out to um, go and take a look at the the deepest pit in America. And now this is ostensibly to push Trevor's boundaries, to get him out of his comfort zone and get him seeing more of the world because he's been largely housebound. But it ends up being quite an expansive personal voyage for them both. Uh, And we learn that um, Ben has actually become a carer and has given up his job as a previous job as a writer uh, because of something, a a deeply personal tragedy that happened to his family. Um, He lost his son. Uh, So, The whole film is not only a brilliantly witty comedy, uh, but it really explores um, the idea of learning to understand yourself better through getting to know somebody else uh, and uh, has themes of of trust and of learning and of Um, self-development. I find it a really warm film. It's it's a really lovely one to watch. Um, It also just makes me piss my knickers laughing <laughs> there's one scene uh, that you referenced earlier Kobe actually when we were chatting where um Ben is trying to get Trevor to try new foods Trevor's very entrenched within certain habits and he's trying to get him to uh to taste a Slim Jim it's kind of like a pepper army yeah, right that's yes. what I thought yeah it's it's a pre-packaged meat stick of which I have enjoyed many in my line of work but he's just thrusting it into his into his face and because Trevor is English um, Ben's taking the mickey out of his accent and his his phraseology and he says oh take a bite of the James oh a little bite of the James I watched that on a loop 
17 times preparing for this podcast and I laughed every time. It just, it really gets me. Um, Other reasons that I like the film, I really enjoy the fact that it portrays somebody with a disability as more than just that, Uh, making them witty, making them attractive, uh, giving them intelligence. Um, I think I'd like to see more of that in films. Um, I also am a big Paul Rudd fan. Um, I think he's one of those actors that could so easily have gone down the route of just making um, films that I call brochure, as in kosher for bros. They're just designed to be palatable to that bro stoner contingent. But before you get to the brochure stuff, you have Clueless and you have um, his role in, in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And, the, and then him playing Phoebe's uh, husband and friends. That's how I knew Paul Rudd initially. So I thought he was like a guy... That was, that was Paul Rudd for me. It's just like some guy who was Not like... Not just some guy. Well, for me it was. For you it wasn't. But yeah, for me, he was just like some guy who was like... is kind of funny, but, you know, maybe not the funniest. So I really like Paul Rudd. I think he's great. I think he's a great comedy actor. I love him in Ant-Man. Um, I love him in Anchorman. The man films. The A-man films. <laughs> um, but it's good to see him in. It's good to see him in, in different roles. Um, not that big a fan of the Judd Apatow ones where they just get you know, as much leash as they wanted to try and be funny. Um, but I think he's, a, he's one of those really nice, charismatic kind of people. Not too attractive, not too, like, menacing. He's just like, he's, I think he's still, a, he's still a man. He's a dreamboat. He's a dreamboat for you, is he? But he plays the everyman, doesn't he? That's yeah. what Kobe's getting at. Yeah. And he does do that very well. I said that very, in a very long-winded way. Like, <laughs> he's, still, he's sort of Ben Stiller, isn't he, really? He's doing not the same ang- sort of not thing. Not as angry-ish. He, it doesn't yeah. do the anger that well. But he looks like a guy that you'd meet. Mm. He looks like a person that actually <laughs> lives and breathes and isn't just Hollywood, but also can in that, you know, way that all good comedy actors can sort of be charismatic and sexy if he wants to be and also make himself repulsive and weird if he wants to be. I mean, he's got that kind of flexibility, I think. I see him as in the same sort of group as people like Jonah Hill, who could so easily have just churned out the same kind of entertaining but predictable um, smoking and slouching on the couch kind of films if they wanted to, but who have pushed themselves to do slightly more interesting pieces like The Fundamentals of Caring or uh, seeing as we're talking about Netflix, has anyone seen Mania recently? No. It's, That's the Jonah Hill, Emma Stone one. It is outstanding in my opinion. It's bizarre and dreamlike and off the wall, funny and thought provoking. It's a fantastic piece of work. And I never, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would Jonah Hill be in that? No. I absolutely couldn't have predicted that. And when he did Moneyball, that was when he first kind of span out into something more serious. Uh, Ollie, what do you think of Fundamentals Caring, FOC? I wish I had strong opinions on it because I know that, uh, you know, generally speaking, when one's trying to talk for entertainment value, it's nice to have a view. I generally thought it was all right. I thought it was all right. I, I, I enjoyed it. It didn't stay with me afterwards. Right. I honestly felt like I'd kind of got what it was about very quickly. Like probably 20 minutes in, I appreciated that this is a film that's going to challenge the perception of a disabled person in a Hollywood movie and that basically it wasn't going to end sadly and some funny things were going to happen along the way and then my my expectations were met, basically. Um, but that's not to say it was bad. Like I enjoyed it. One thing that I did feel about it was that it was very much what we would have used to have called an indie movie. Mm. You know, had it been made in the 90s, it would have been more rough and ready because, you know, I guess making a film was more expensive then. And, uh, you know, you had to use the shots that you had rather than endless takes that they can make something slick and digital with. And 
it it seemed a bit self-conscious of the fact that this is an indie movie. It, there was a few too many like sort of twee indie instrumentals going on every time it cut into a new scene and it was signposting the whole way along. Yeah, this is a film that's going to be a bit frank and honest. This is a film that's going to challenge your expectations of disability. This is a film where a character's going to come in and they're going to do something outrageous and fuck off again. There was a lot of that. And again, that was fine because that's what it delivered. Like, I was happy to watch that. It's kind of a cosy film. I really hear what it's you're saying. It's cosy in its indiness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's, yeah. Are it's, you the kind of person that voted for Hillary Clinton? Well, you'll love this. That's kind of how it felt. <laughs> Helen. Um, again, I kind of agree with what Ollie said. It is very much kind of, you know, if you if you like Little Miss Sunshine, then you you will like this. Um, I mean, it is... It's it's a really sweet movie. Its heart's completely in the right place. Um, I, I found the bit where they go and see the cow and they're kind of staring into the cow's eyes. Particularly uh, in, enjoyed that scene. I like the whole lot. cow scene. I like, yeah, I like the whole that, episode yeah. was good because yeah. they couldn't. Yeah, there's no there's no disabled access, so they forced them up there and then staring at the cow for ten seconds. And that's, I thought the whole yeah, whole and the portrayal lovely. of um, a disabled person, you know as being funny, witty and, you know, kind and sexually of, desirable yeah. and having sexual desire. I think that, I think that it resonates for me that it has particular significance for me, given my job, I suppose, in that, in that context. But it does annoy me that obviously Craig Roberts is a very able-bodied actor, uh-huh. which is something that we've, we've come across before. So that, that was, that was the one problem that I had with it. I mean, I do, I do like Craig Roberts, but I just kind of but think... But there aren't many roles for paraplegic actors. And no, this is one. And, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And well, also... There's, I mean, there's Inside I'm Dancing was one and then the um, Judge and Moyers one. But there are there, there are quite a few... There's more. Um, the Untouchables, Intouchables is a French one. Um, so there are, there are more roles for people who are disabled. And I'm not sure. I think in all these, in all these roles are, are being played by able-bodied people, which is a shame. Um, in this case, it, it only requires someone with a physical disability mm. uh, before all the reasons that uh, we've been saying. You know, he doesn't have a learning disability. He doesn't have cerebral palsy or something like that, uh, where, you know, it, there would be something specific about the way that he speaks. It's sort of like any disabled act, like any actor who's confined to a wheelchair could have auditioned for this role and yeah. not for basically any other role in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't help thinking that too. But I really wanted to keep myself in check for thinking it because on the other hand, I kind of think, well, what is acting apart from pretending? You know, no one says, well, you're not really a Nazi, so you can't play a Nazi. I mean, there does come a point where it gets ridiculous. Mm. And it's like, you know, I think we're sort of all on the same page now about blacking up. We're kind of like half on the page where it comes to disability. Yeah. The new one's sexuality and, you know, whether or not and gay trans, actors. Pe- yeah. Trans roles. But, mm. it's, it's, but, the, but the truth is, if we're honest, that when it gets to certain roles, if you're casting the best person who's really good, it shouldn't matter. And yet you can't help thinking it when you're watching it. I guess also because it's a really recent film as well. It came out in 2016 that we were kind of starting to question it yeah, a little yeah. bit more. If it had been made 10 years ago, up. then it just would have been like, that was oh, the film. That was yeah. The film. Um, but yeah, it does, it does tie in with playing like the... Um, trans actors being able to play trans roles we talked about with this with uh, Dallas Buyers Club with the uh, character Rayvon was con- controversial because there's no reason why they could not have been played by a trans person um, the whitewashing thing is something that happens all the time and you know with Hamilton we talked about musicals mm. an interesting way in the flip way is this kind of colourblind casting um, it's it's an interesting topic, and I don't well, think that, it's, I don't well, that's think it's the particular. real change that would happen in disabled roles, isn't it? Yeah. So a film that it wasn't about his disability, like a, a disabled blind casting, would be really interesting. 
you know, where you actually had a road trip movie about two friends and no feature is made about the fact that the, the actor is disabled. And in fact, it wasn't written for a disabled actor. Yeah. But then the reason that that feels difficult is because the truth is more complex than that, which is what this film hints at. When you go to the tourist attraction, you can't push the wheelchair up the stairs. Yeah. Like it takes 10 minutes to get a disabled person in and out of a car. You know, you need his life support equipment with you. And this film at least does go into the messy business of all of that. It doesn't shy away from that. And I think that's to be very much applauded. Um, I love the scene where he, I can't, I don't know what the the actress's name is, who, um, you know, he's scared to ask her out on a date, well, to even engage about, about oh, the speaker's pop, comments. Oh, she's a pop Selima star. Gomez. Selima, Selima Gomez. Gomez. Yeah. Okay. You say that as if I should desperately know, know who, who this that is. is. I uh, didn't. I, I didn't recognise her in them when I saw the titles. I was like, "Oh, is that who Selena Gomez yeah, is?" Justin Bieber's ex. I am I allowed she... to say I fancy her? I don't know how old she is, but I do fancy her. Her, in this Bieber, film a bit. her Bieber's seen the Bieber. <laughs> but when she when she twigs that um, you know Paul Rudd's trying to get them on a date together, and she's like, "Well, are you going to ask me on a date or what?" And then he does it, and she's like, "Okay, pick me up when you're ready." Uh, that was. I just thought that was brilliant because that's what would happen, mm. disabled or not, if she was into him. Uh, and she, it, it wasn't a pity day. It didn't look like a pity day. It was just like, you're an interesting dude. Let's have a chat. Let's just hang out together and and be that what it may. Um, and that's what I think needs to happen more in these kind of films as well, in, in any film. Yeah. Um, I really acknowledge the difficulties of an able-bodied actor playing a disabled role. And I totally agree with Ollie that there was a missed opportunity here to cast somebody who is a genuine wheelchair user. Uh, although also, like you, Helen, I, I like to see... Um, actors who have disabilities in roles where the disability isn't the focus. Mm. Uh, the first person that springs to mind is uh, RJ Mitter in, in, in Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad yeah. uh, I was, to my shame... Yeah, that is an example of yeah. almost disabled blind casting, isn't it? Yeah, I was waiting for his... The episode about that. Yeah, for yeah. his physicality to play a part in the plot and I was delighted when it didn't. Mm. Uh, it was wonderful, but I also don't feel like it was ignored. It wasn't like they were trying to pretend that he didn't require crutches sometimes. I'd love to see more of that. Um, now, I really like Craig Roberts as an as an actor. I loved him in, in, in Submarine. Submarine. Yep. He does weirdly remind me of Alex Turner from the Arctic it Monkeys, does, which enhances that indie film thing that you mentioned, Dolly. <laughs> um, I spoke to some friends of mine, though, who are um, people with disabilities, one of whom is actually in the acting world, to, to get their take on this. Um, I had a chat to Matt Fraser, who was um, in American Horror Story Freak Show. Uh, and he has a really strong opinion on this. He says uh, able-bodied actors playing disabled characters is offensively wrong. He likens it to blackface. Um, and he says, you know, we've been campaigning uh, as disabled people within the movie business for over 30 years now and beyond. Uh, there are um, all sorts of organisations like Equity, Act for Change. Um, there's a there's an agency specifically for actors who are not able-bodied um, called uh, Visible. I think they have presenters and models on their books. So there are lots of ways, uh, ostensibly anyway, I'm not sure how practical these actually are and how effective they, you know, they work in in the the movie world, but there are lots of ways that uh, that if you wanted to cast someone with a disability in a role like this, there's plenty of supply. You could, yeah. but yeah, you just yeah. said it yourself. You loved him in Submarine. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what it comes down to, isn't it? This is made by Netflix. It's working yeah. on an algorithm. It is. Did you like Submarine? You'll like this. You sort of, in a way, can't have it both ways. You know, either you want the main part to be um, a character with a disability, and that's a good thing because it's a progressive thing and it's got a character with a disability at its heart, you know, 
or you want a disabled actor to be in the film and support disabled actors. But since there aren't any really famous disabled actors, yeah. you're not going to get... Are you saying it's Catch-22? Dis- yeah, you can't... At the moment, there does not exist a actor of significant um, enough stature to warrant the funding to say this is going to put bums on seats. That's the problem, is that people will download this because it's Craig Roberts. But then you say, I mean, you have, that, you have that argument with like trans actors and you have the the lady who's in uh, Orange is the New Black and I can't, I can't remember her name but um, she's like well yeah if you want to uh, an African American black trans, uh, trans actor then she's probably the first in the list and you just need to you need to be the first through the post in this and if this has got Selena Gomez Craig Roberts and is that Jennifer Ely as well then you've got enough people you've got enough cachet in the film Craig Roberts by himself is not that big a draw the thing about Submarine wasn't Craig Roberts it was it was Richard no, but it does, it, yeah but it does bring that sort of indie credibility to the film mm. you know, as you were saying with Paul Rudd he's a sort of mainstream Hollywood star isn't he Craig Roberts says this is a film for people who like the Arctic Monkeys <laughs> doesn't he that's the thing yeah well, uh, other people I spoke to, um, a friend of mine called Ariel, who has a disability herself and also her daughter does, um, said that she actually doesn't always mind seeing able-bodied actors um, in roles where there's someone with a disability because she thinks it's a it's a learning process. And sometimes by putting somebody who doesn't live that every day in that situation... Um, it really teaches them, them something that they can then convey to more people, the, the, the difficulties, the challenges, the illuminating moments. That was that was her point of view. If we're going to discriminate against Craig Roberts, can I pick apart the accent, most of all? Because, <laughs> what is, is he Welsh? He's Welsh. Yeah, yeah. Welsh. Yes. So, I mean, I could argue that if you're going to have someone playing English, they shouldn't be Welsh. I mean, because when he came on, I was like, what is that accent? And then I remembered some Marine. I was like, oh yeah, he's from Wales. But it's, it's a straight, it sort of sounds vaguely Australian and like, I, I, at the time, I was like, he's got a different accent to his mother in the film, and they're supposed to be from England. No one That's, talks like that if they're from England. Well, we yeah, had that, Americans don't really know. They don't know, but I know. <laughs> we had that. Uh, what was that um, Tom Hardy film? Where oh, he's just in the car. Um, oh, um, Lock is it? Yeah, yeah Lock. Yeah, I he, haven't seen that. Is it good? It, it's good. Yeah, actually. It's interesting. I love but that he, guy's but, films. The guy who wrote and directed that. But he's just he's, he's Welsh, and the mm. film is like ninety nine point nine percent him. And you're just like, why are you Welsh? Mm. Um, why not? No, but why not? There's nothing why? wrong with Welsh people. There's I'm just saying this character, no, but... like the character is in a wheelchair, <laughs> this character is English. But it was just an odd, it was an odd thing. But it's, I don't know, it's one of those things like, it's a hard argument. It's a hard thing to argue because you want actors with range. You've got lots of British actors playing Americans and you're like, yeah, go for it, guy. you got Idris Elba, you got uh, Tom Hardy playing American actors. And you're like, from our point of view, it's like, yeah, go out there and smash Hollywood apart. Mm. But at the same time, people in America are like, hey, we're, we're here, we're from America. Mm. Why can't you like cast us? I'm I've been here all the, the whole time. I've well, moved. Also, m- bad casting and the other thing that annoyed me. Um, no way was that baby newborn. That was an <laughs> old baby. Oh, did it and, say newborn? Well, she gives birth she in like yeah. two minutes, oh, okay. and yeah. that that Sorry, baby yeah. is clearly at uh, least a week or two old. I mean, that's a trope of any. I know, but and things, isn't it? Really, particularly when filmed on really, location really, in a pit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's excusable, it but was I see yeah. that moment. Yeah. That, I think, that uh, just I've. We should stop doing that now. <laughs> well, we had American Sniper where it was a fake baby, and that was quite dis- that was even more disconcerting. Um, road trip films. The road trip films. Uh, I mean, I talked about this in the, in the notes, but the, the the main kind of an analogous one to this is Little Miss Sunshine, where it's not just about the the destination; it's about everyone. People learn stuff on mm. the road, and I mean, that's the main thing I, I took from this. From this, Paul Rudd was able to reconcile. A, a bit or at least come to terms with what happened with his his son um 
the uh, Selena Gomez character got to get together with her dad a bit. Um, Craig Robertson got to get out of his shell. He, he tried to slim him. It wasn't just waffles and one sausage. He, he got to do different. his wish as well. He got to do his wish. He got to stand up and pee. Um, oh, that wish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the having sex with uh, Katy Perry <laughs> wish. <laughs> and, you know, and... Yeah, actually, can we just talk about that ending? Standing, I found that really quite awkward. I found it w- really weird. Yeah, I know in the script it probably seemed like a really cool idea. And in, in execution, I just found it a bit clumsy and too much like, here's the here's the big feel-good ending, everybody. It's, it's a little bit kooky because we're a mad indie film. <laughs> but I just... Well, yeah, I just didn't, didn't, I don't know, it didn't make me feel happy, it made me feel a bit like... There two things there. One, it was shot on a green screen, which made it look odd. Yes. Two, I don't want to piss off the edge of a cliff because it's going to go everywhere. And that's not the, that's not the <laughs> first, that's not my first experience of standing up pissing that I would want to have to give to anyone. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not fun. It bizarrely reminded me, you know, that bit in Garden State where they where scream. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit like that. If you've seen that. I haven't actually. I want to read the original book because this was based on a novel cool. called The Revised Fundamentals of Caring. Uh, and I'd like to see how that scene plays off in the, in, in the original written written piece because it does I must admit it does look a little bit odd I mean I quite like it I like it as a metaphor for mm. him literally and metaphorically standing on his own two feet um, and returning to this idea of the the road trip movie that classic road trip movie a lot of the themes of this film that I love like the idea of exploring different types of love like uh, paternal love love between two men friendly love um, ephemeral love uh, that Ben does not stay on as Trevor's carer forever and, and the idea of the, the, that life has to move on. But it stays um, friends though. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But, uh, the, the fact that love can evolve. Um, it explores the things like the perils of having too many uh, habits and limiting yourself through doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, right at the beginning of the film when Ben is in a, a class learning how to be a carer, um, there is an instructor going through the, the Aloha mnemonic, which is about how to actively listen and help somebody. It's, it stands for ask, listen, observe, help, ask again. I, I actually remember I used that. I learned that from this film and mm. I use it in my does life that, every is day. That, is that, does that uh, exist? Yes, it yeah, does. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a genuine uh, counselling and, and caring device. All of these things, I think, for me, are more impactful because they're framed within this road this road trip construct construct it allows you to have both a metaphorical and a physical journey with those people but it also gives lots of excuses for the film to picture um folks having a conversation in a confined space whether that's a car or a motel room mm. and it gives it, it sets up natural spaces for those in-depth chats to happen in a way that feels organic and mm. i think on that level it works really nicely bite of the james <laughs> bite of the james <laughs> um should we head to the scores guys we'll obviously keep on talking about the film when it comes to the construct of the Oscars. can i make system. one more point that i actually have to i have to acquiesce to ollie on this one this film is it is definitely riding out that indie vibe and one part where I feel like it was a hugely missed opportunity was the soundtrack. Yeah, True. it was a bit middle mm. of the road, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, there we go. I don't remember <laughs> any of the soundtrack. 
Well, they're just all songs that sound a bit like they should be in an Julia indie film, Jacqueline aren't they? There's song on there. There was a what, sorry? At the end. There's Julia a Leonard Jacqueline. Cohen song as well, isn't there? One of those synthy ones from yeah. the 90s. There's the odd moment where it's promising, but the music really potters. It's just inoffensive. And I feel like this film could become a lot more... It's missed an opportunity to be really legendary and a lot more resonant by not picking the, the music carefully. Right. needed right. a Coldplay or something. <laughs> no, it didn't need a Coldplay. It needed some, like, Ryan Adams or... No, it, it, needed, yeah. it needed an unknown artist that just fucking hit the spot yes. at the right time. Yeah, it needed actually, that song from A Ghost, from ghost, a ghost Story. A Ghost Story, oh, beautiful. <laughs> something American-sounding, I agree, would be good because there's something about the road movie, isn't there, yeah. as a genre, which is about America. I mean, it, it's a thing you can do... It, Everyone watching this in America, basically, whether they're rich or poor, can do this in theory. They might not get the time off work, but they can get in a car and go on the road yeah. and find themselves in a way that if I tried to do, I'd find myself in Luton within 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just not the Quickly, same. Quickly, this, is, this um, is shit, I'm going home. Yeah, whereas the open road of the USA, you know, such a much more sort of less populated country with, you know, huge space all around. Um there's something very, very intrinsic to American society about that as a way of sort of dealing with your problems and confronting things, discovering new things. And I think a bit of Americana on the soundtrack yeah. would help yeah. there. It yeah. is oddly satisfying, a road movie with a decent... Uh, yeah. it's, it's it not could something... have elevated it to yeah. cult status and made it a lot more um, driven. I, I just, it really, for everything I love about this film, the music is flaccid. And that's where I think <laughs> indie films do ride or die in that, as, you've, as you said. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's go to the scores. Okay. Recommendability score. Alex, you chose this film, so you're going to lead us out on the scoring. Out of five, how high would you recommend this? I think this is a film that most people can enjoy. Um, it's something I'd recommend if I wanted someone to uh, reflect on themselves and the wider world without that being too uncomfortable and, and challenging a journey. And this is the film she recommended I should watch <laughs> when we're doing this podcast together. I was not Has this whole thing point. been an elaborate code to tell me that I'm just completely closed to the world? <laughs> no, I was. All, I also think it's a cosy, comforting film sure. and I wanted you to watch something sweet, Ollie. Um, it was, it's a veritable sucrose, liquid sucrose skinny dip of, of sweetness. Um, skinny dip of sweetness? It falls down for me on recommendability on... On the fact that the music's shit and um, that there is that real difficulty of an able-bodied actor playing mm. a disabled role. Uh, so I'm going to give it four for recommendability. Cool. Ollie. Um, <laughs> recommendability for me is... Do you know, I would... I, so the fact is that I wouldn't recommend this to everybody mm. in the sense that it wouldn't occur to me to remember it. Like, I thought it was absolutely fine, straight down the middle, fine. Three stars. So it wouldn't like I wouldn't remember it. But actually... I would feel no hesitation about saying to anybody to watch this movie. And that is something in its favour for something that, as we've discussed, is so self-consciously kooky that actually I, I could say to my 90-year-old grandmother, watch this and you yeah. would enjoy it. Yeah. So actually I'd put recommendali recommendability at four. Helen? Um, 
It's interesting because I think in my head that I had it as a three because it is kind of a three star movie, but it is really warm. And like you say, it's got so many different openings for people in there, Alex. Uh, and sometimes the chat in the room can alter the score. So I, I'm, I'm going to bump mine up to four as well. Wow, it's like 12 angry men, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, I'm a four. Um, it's not going to be my favourite film ever, but it's, it will be easy to recommend to people. It's just instantly, it's just, yeah. Someone says, should I watch Fundamentals of Caring? I'm like, yeah, watch yes. Fundamentals of yeah. Caring. You will have a pleasant two hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I should say as well, I watched it with my wife, who doesn't like comedy. Now, this is a source of tension in our relationship. You're a comedian. Yeah, well, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a comedian, but yes, I've worked on comic things. And it's a bit odd for me to be in a long-term relationship with someone who, like, will not watch comedy. I mean, the only thing she will watch is Have I Got News For You. And that's kind of a bit like watching the news, really. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, she likes watching kind of documentaries that are funny. She'll do that. Factual entertainment, things like that. You mm. know, something with a slightly offbeat way of looking at the world. The koala bear does something funny. Yes. Falls off the tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if it's a panel show or a sitcom, forget it, right? Mm. That's stuff that I watch by myself. And I felt a bit nervous about this because Paul Rudd was in it. And I thought, uh-uh, you know, it's a comedy drama. Is she going to walk out of this? And she will give something five minutes. And again, it speaks in its favour, I think, that I thought it was funny the whole way through. Yeah. But it was dramatic enough that she watched it. She didn't laugh because she doesn't like comedy, but she watched it for its own benefit. Um, and again, I think that speaks in its favour. There's possibly something for everybody. Cool. A repeat viewing score. Alex? I've watched this film a few times. I think it's kind of quietly impactful. It's one that I watch when I want a bit of a giggle, um, but it's sort of, it's almost meditative. It's quite a calming film for me. It's a, it's a, it's a taking stock film on a quiet Friday night. Um and lots of people, when I said that I was talking about this film today, said, oh, you know, that's one that's one of my kind of go-tos when I want a cinematic hug. Um, so I'm going to give it a 3.5. I don't think it's one that I'd watch obsessively, but I, I, it's definitely one I've returned to. Ollie? I'm not going to see this again. Uh, like I say, I, I felt uh, very quickly that I knew what it was going to be like, and that's what it was like. I definitely don't need to see it again. <laughs> Um, and that's not to speak ill of it, just, no, no. you know, I got it. Got it the first time, so it's a one for me. Helen? Yeah, the same. I'm probably not going to watch it again, but it did um, get me thinking about other Paul Rudd films. Has anyone seen Prince Avalanche? No. 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 Have you seen that? If you, if you enjoyed this, you should definitely check that out because it's one of uh, another Paul Rudd kind of smaller um, indie type films, um, which is also really sweet. So instead of rewatching the fundamentals, I'm going to revisit Prince Avalanche. Um, so I'm going to give this a one. I'm going to get give it one point five. I didn't watch it with my wife, but I think she'd enjoy it, and uh, you know, happily watch it with her. Um, I don't think I'm going to revisit it that much. I saw it when it first came out on Netflix. I saw the poster or the or the trailer, but for some reason, it didn't uh, grab me to, as something to watch. Um, and I'm probably, I think I'm in that kind of frame of mind again and i can't think of a time when necessarily i'll think to watch it um but in your along your lines of things i really want to watch submarine again i ha- haven't seen that for a while that i would watch again yeah yeah if uh, you like actors of that type um there's a there's a relatively new kid on the block called alex lawther um he was in a netflix series called the end of the fucking world i oh, thought he was absolutely superb that. yeah he was also in the imitation game but i Keep your peepers on him. I think he's going to be brilliant. Small screen score, Alex. 
it really suffers because of the, the music, unfortunately. I think um, on both large screen and small screen, what would have made this movie pack so much more of a punch was a really good playlist for it. Um, it does make me laugh a lot, though. And like I say, I watched Paul Rudd thrusting his meat stick into another man's face on a loop on YouTube. Um, good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it four. I don't think there's much different. There's not much in it, really. Cool. Ollie. I'd agree. Four. Um, yeah, I've got quite a big telly, so I was watching it using the Netflix app on my TV. So it's quite hard to say small screen, really, because it's you know quite a large screen. But I didn't feel that I'd be missing out if I was watching it on a computer, let's say, maybe not a phone. Well, it's more about the yeah the cinema versus the home viewing experience. Helen. Yeah, for it's um you know it works as a kind of TV size film, yeah. and yeah, I mean the soundtrack. Let's sit down. I'm going five. I can't. I don't think I would have been that pleased if I'd seen it in the cinema because I don't. It's not that cinematic anywhere. Mm. Uh, compared to Little Miss Sunshine's got some fucking amazing shots. Mm, you're right in, in there. This doesn't have that. Um, so this could be kind of quartered down into like a four parts like miniseries, and I would have been quite happy mm. and that kind of thing. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, five. The small screen score. The pissing in the wind shot should have been the big cinematic one, but yeah. no. But it was that was like that it's a dribble yeah. rather than a powerful <laughs> squirt, isn't it? <laughs> Um, engagement score, Alex. I can flit in and out of this movie. I think one of the reasons it gets a high small screen score for me is because it's really comfy to watch on your own. I actually think it's one of those films that sort of almost is designed to be watched solo. Um, but part of its appeal for me is that I can kind of uh, do other things while I'm watching it. That sounded much more incriminating than I meant. But I, I, this is the kind of movie that I'd put on on a Sunday when I was sort of tidying my house or painting my toenails or whatever, whatever mm. uh, and chuckle now and again and, and contemplate my week. So I'm going to give it 3.5. Ollie? Yeah, straight, straight down the line three for me. Uh, I am going to go 3.5. Um, I kind of saw where it was going, so you don't have to really be glued to the screen. But um, one hour, 37 minutes is pretty good runtime. Yes. Happy with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, the thing about road movies, even though it's a formula, and as I said, you can feel the formula clicking, you know, like, oh, something's going to happen in five minutes. At least with a road movie, you're not quite sure what that something's going to be mm. because you don't know where they're going to go and you don't know who they're going to pick up. So even though, like, I mean, it's basically it's the Wizard of Oz, isn't it, by the end of it? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're going on a journey, there's four of them. You don't know who those people are going to be and where they're going. So that does give it a feeling of freshness, which I think is engaging. I was quite uh, looking forward to seeing the world's deepest pit. Is it, is it actually the world's deepest pit in real life? Is that the thing? That's one thing I meant to I check. I didn't fact check that. Um, but, I ought to know this. Yeah. I used to work for a magazine called Bizarre that specialised partly in precisely this kind of thing. That, that you were the pit correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, armpits, Brad Pitts, uh, Peach Pits. I mean, Peaches have featured uh, very interestingly in movies recently. Yeah, I was all the pits. Um, but I don't know whether it's a real whether, place. Whether it exists. And <laughs> I generally just thought it was like, a, I thought it was like a five metre like hole and you'd be able to look down into it. Um, so that's what I was waiting for. But it wasn't. It actually looked quite nice. I would like swim in there if you allowed to. Yeah, it looked like an old mine. Not with that pee in it. <laughs> this, I tell you what, what happens in swimming pools looks a lot less volume. Literally stays in swimming pools. Yeah, well, it gets filtered out. Um, so I threw, no, four for engagement. Uh, it kept me chugging along all the way through. So that it gives, kept you what, Kobe? 
<laughs> chuckling along. I thought he said chugging along. I thought he said chugging along, but I didn't want to. I didn't know if yeah. that was a, a weird thing in Fallow Room. <laughs> <laughs> right, so an overall score of 3.37 from us. So as, as always, we go to Twitter before we record and uh, give a shout out to our guests and ask you basically what you think of the film. And we had one response. So um, Alex, do you want to read that response? Oh, I need to get my tiny violin out for this one. It's a <laughs> bit of a whap, 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 Two stars, says Death by Film Pod. Has a few bright moments, but mostly found the movie a little dull. A bit harsh. Yeah. yeah. Well, but think- only harsh by one star, as I've said. <laughs> you know, if they'd have said three stars, has a few bright moments and it's all right, you'd have to agree, wouldn't you, really? Well, all of our conversations have uh, really centred around how much potential this movie could have had. And mm. unfortunately, it does fall down in places. It's still a sweet little film, I think. Yeah, it's I not think, a bad yeah. film. I think that's the term. It's a, it's a sweet film. Uh, had it been that cult movie that it really wanted to be, then we would all know whether the deepest pit in the world existed yes, exactly. because yeah. people would people be would copying be this mm. road trip. Yeah. I'll tell you what this is the perfect film for, actually. And of course, this won't happen because it's on Netflix. It is the perfect aeroplane film. Truth. I would. I'd, it's reassuring in the way that you say it, cosy and cuddly, and it's about sort of travel. And but, it's about human characters, doesn't matter what the size of the screen is. But now you can download your stuff to Netflix. That's what I do. Sure, okay. So that's why, yeah. So when yes. I, I'm going to... Take it on a flight. I'm going to Cyprus. Can you? You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great for so, flights. Exactly. I did not know that. What, what airline are you flying with to Cyprus? Um, it's probably EasyJet. Okay, fine. Because yeah. you know, I mean, I know I know you're releasing this in a few months' time, but on the day of recording, a Cypriot airline's gone bust and it's stranded all the tourists there. Shoot. Including the guy who's building my house. He's going to be, <laughs> oh, no. be back a week after he's supposed to because the airline went bust. Just emailed me this afternoon. On on what airline was it? I, I can't remember now. So oh, uh, Cobalt. 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 Yes, Cobalt. there we are. Cobalt okay. Air. Yes. And what response did that elicit in you? I hope it was a Cyprus. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, you've, uh, you've, written, you've literally written the punchline. <laughs> There's nothing for me to do there. Can you let us? Can you let all the listeners um, know where they can find you guys online? Yeah, if you've got some reflections uh, about erections or indeed about this film, uh, then you can find me at Alex Fox, A-L-I-X, one I, like Cyclops, and then Fox, like the animal. And if you want to find us collectively on Twitter as part of the Modern Man podcast, then that's at the Modern Man with two N's. It's buy one, get one free on the consonants. <laughs> Um, and yeah, just listen to the show. That's the main thing. If you've liked listening to us talk, then please listen to more of us talking. You can uh, use whatever app you're using to listen to this right now to yeah. search for the Modern Man, M A W N. And by the time this comes out, we will be on episode. We'll be on season nine of you guys. Well, I don't know. I don't know when it's coming out. But uh, yeah, season ten starts in February. So if it's before then, we're on season nine. Yes. Yes. And if you don't <laughs> agree with my opinions on the flicks, then I'm much more well versed in flicking the bean than watching the scene. So. Tune in for that. Beanflix is a great name for a streaming adult service. <laughs> yes, it really is. no one is. done that. I bet there is one. That's a great... I'm Seriously, I'm registering that after this. This whole evening has been worthwhile. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Cheers, my dears. Thanks for listening. You can find all of the episodes on our website, flixwatcher.tv. Want to give us your five-star review? Follow us at Flixwatcher Pod on Twitter. Big shout out to our editor Brendan Russell for all his awesome editing skills, and thanks as always to the mighty people for their tunes. <laughs>